folks, it's time for Two Idiots Talking Sports. And here are your hosts, Brian McKeon and Mike Pateffi. Thank you to our friend John Jastrzemski, and we are back for a sixth episode of Two Idiots Talking Sports. And uh, how you doing, Mike? It's been a rough road NBA-wise, right? Oh, for the Knicks, it's been terrible. Well, let's go over the NBA talk first of uh, this compelling NBP race. For the NBA, you have two guys that I think are the, the front runners for the MVP. It's going to be one of these two. It's either going to be Russell Westbrook of the Oklahoma City Thunder or James Harden of the Houston Rockets. Just go over the numbers first. Westbrook is averaging 31 points a game. He's first in points behind Anthony Davis, who's averaging 28. So he's three points above. Westbrook has 10.5 assists per game. That's second in the league to Harden. And he has 10.7 rebounds per game. The guy's averaging a triple-double for the whole season. He's Listen, this Thunder team would be... Well below 500. One of the dumpster teams in the league, for sure, if they didn't have Westbrook on the team. And they're actually in contention for a 7 or 8 seed to basically be a sacrificial lamb to the Warriors. But Harden also has just... he hit, the, the him and D'Antoni system is just working. It's like a love affair for the two of them. It looks great. Uh, right now, I'd give my award to Russell Westbrook. I think he's just... he's just The, the stuff that he's averaging a triple-double, no one's done that since Oscar, Robert, Oscar Robertson... And listen, uh, he could do it for the whole season, but he's definitely going to go into the All-Star break averaging that, and that in itself is amazing. Yeah, that's never been done before, I don't think, right? Or has it? For a season? For No, for in, to the All-Star break. No, no one's ever done that other than Oscar Robertson. Oh, okay. He did it. He did it a couple times, actually. I think maybe Will Chamberlain may have done it a, maybe two or three times. But it's just, in, in general, it's just... The, the the stuff that he's doing to the league right now, the way he's playing, the way he controls the court, it just seems like when you watch a Thunder game... He's he's out there playing 120 miles an hour above any other player out there. It's it's really it's amazing what Westbrook's done to the league, really. But uh, it's crazy to think about too. If you really want to go here, is the Thunder? They used to have Harden on the same team as Westbrook yeah. and Durant on this team. You realize Harden used to come off the bench for the Thunder. That's amazing. That's like ridiculous. they had Harden, Westbrook, and Durant on the same team. That payroll would have been insane. That's why it was smart for them to get rid of Durant for get rid of Westbrook at the time they did. It made sense actually. And if you really look back at it, you know, getting rid of a MVP candidate is crazy, but it makes sense actually in the future. Uh, let's go how to how bad, uh, depressing this Knicks thing is. It's been terrible. Um, listen, you've lost ten of your last eleven games. You, you lost brutally to the 76ers last night. Oh, that was awful. You're going into a stretch where you're going you're gonna to play 12 games in 21 days. So you're playing a three back-to-backs in that stretch, which the Knicks are terrible off back-to-backs. I mean, listen, man, it just almost can't get any worse than this. You were beating the Sixers by 10 points with two minutes left, and you lost the game on a buzzer beater. Chris asked Porzingis shot, a, shot an air ball for the, at that, almost at the buzzer with about three seconds left. I mean, man, this has just gotten to the point where it's just... It's it's really bad. Every move Phil Jackson seems to have made, other than drafting Porzingis, which I'm on the side of not giving him as much credit as people seem to give him for drafting him because who else did he have to draft to that spot? Like, Chris Stapps was the best player to take at three there. So, I mean, I don't give him as much credit for that pick. Listen, I just think I think it's... The guy really... It's I think the analogy that Michael Kay on ESPN gave was the best one you could possibly give in this situation. It was basically where Michael Kay said the move for the Knicks to sign Phil Jackson to be their president and GM is basically the same. It's basically the same move. If the Mets signed Cristiano Ronaldo to come play center field, Cristiano Ronaldo is a great athlete. You know, he's 
debatably the best soccer player on the planet. But his craft, his art, is not at baseball. He's not great at baseball. Phil Jackson is great at, is great at coaching. He's arguably the best coach of all time. But he's not the best GM of all time. He's not the best president of all time. He came to the Knicks trying to prove basically what I think is like an ego move. He wants to prove that he can win with the triangle, which is an outdated system. And the one time he won with the triangle, he had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen running it with Dennis Rodman. And the other time he had Kobe Shaq and Derek Fisher. It's hard to not win with those players in your team. It really is. So, Especially last year, they tried to run the triangle with a point guard of what? Langston Galloway? You can't do not, that. Not even. Jose Calderon was his goal. Yeah. He signed Jose Calderon. Yeah, that was terrible. And, he's, and his comment when he signed Calderon was... Oh, you don't really need a great point guard to win in the NBA. Yes, you do. Really? I mean, the Cavs have Kyrie Irving, who's, I mean, one of the top, he's proven himself to be one of the top closers in basketball, one of the top point scorers. And the Warriors have, listen, prob, he could go down as one of the best, let's do a debate for another argument for another day, but he could go down as one of the best, definitely going to go down as one of the best shooters of all time, but could go down as, go down as one of the best point guards of all time in Steph Curry. Dude, I mean, let, let's look at it the way it is. The Knicks are terrible. And I think what they... What the, I mean, listen, Rose is on a one-year deal. Let him play out the rest of the contract because I really don't know what you're going to get for him. I, I don't... Trading Rose... Trade I, value? I, I, there's not much value out there. His no. contract's expiring. I don't think he's really fits on a contender. What contender would really want him? Well, LeBron said, oh, we need a backup point guard. But I don't see him as a backup. Yeah, no, he's, he's not going to take that role. Yeah, I know. Le- LeBron really wants Kyrie to move to the two. Because a lot of this year, Kyrie's been playing the two. And it's been working out very well because he's a great shooter, a great scorer. Hindsight there means you probably should have kept Matthew Dellavedova. Yeah. You shouldn't have let him walk. But Dellavedova was smart, and the Cavs realized that, and he went to the Bucks, realizing he's going to get a max deal there, and he did. So, I mean, you can't fault him for that. But I don't think Derrick Rose fits in Cleveland. I think you got to... Well, the player you got to trade is Carmelo Anthony, I think. Yeah, that's the move to do. The problem is Melo has a no-trade clause. He's not going to lift that unless you put him to a contender. Which is really the contenders you can send him to are the Clippers, which he'll go because of L.A. and he can still market himself there. Or I think the Cavaliers. I mean, he's not going to go to the Warriors because no, he's not no, going to no join that crew. But I think he, he, he's a good possibility he would accept a deal to the Cavs. Problem is, who are the Cavs giving up? Like, who, who do you want from the Cavs? Because there's all these rumors the last couple of you know weeks about you know they could look to get Kevin Love. I... Just don't see that happening. I don't see the Cavs giving up Kevin Love. No, I don't think so either. For for, for an aging Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, he just started to get in his flow, I think, in this past year with the Cavs. Exactly. I completely agree with that. I don't think you're going to see any of that really go down. That's basically the problem with the Knicks, and we're sorry for the technical difficulties we just experienced. The Knicks just, I think it's time to blow it up. I mean, you're not going to get out of the Noah trade now, because the, or the Noah signing, you're not going to be able to trade him, because no, yeah. there's who's no gonna, trade. Who's going to pick up that contract? The, no one. The, the contract and the just inability to play. Yeah. The guy just can't play anymore. I mean, look at it. I mean, he, he can't shoot free throws. He can't play. You got him for defensive purposes, basically, and he doesn't play defense. He's, he's averaging .8 blocks per game. Like, really? Come on, man. He's averaging 5.5 points a game. The guy, the guy is, it's literally a four on five for the Knicks every time they play offense because the guy just can't score at all. He can't pass. He can't score. He, he looks like that kid at the YMCA in jean shorts playing basketball. Like that just is there because his dad forced him to sign up and that's what's going on. Like the kid, the guy's awful. He really just doesn't know what he's doing out there. 
It's time for the Knicks to blow this up, and I think it's time to get rid of Phil Jackson. The guy clearly doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't. He he, he didn't respond to the media with the whole Derrick Rose disappearing thing. Just because, I mean, he doesn't, he didn't, and he didn't respond. Uh, uh, he refused to speak to the media, Phil Jackson, just because he just didn't feel like it. Like, what is that? You just He just didn't feel like talking to the media. Just didn't, just doesn't want to do it. Like, because he's above us or he's above talking to me. It's it's really become a disgrace. I really think it has. I think, man, I think it's time to blow it up. It's time to just, it's over, man. It's, it's start over. Yeah, he had his chance. It's obviously not working, as you can see right now. We lost in the 76ers. We lost, what, 10 of our last 11? 10 of our last 11 that's, games. That's, that's unacceptable. And we were, we at the beginning, at the new year, we were a four seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. We're now we're, out of the I remember the time we were a three seed. We're now out of the playoff picture. We're, we're not even in the playoff picture anymore. If we're lucky, we get an eight seed and we're a sacrificial lamb to the Cavaliers. Is that really what you want? No, no, that's not what I want. I think we have, if you look at our starting lineup, if you look at our starting lineup um, with Derrick Rose, Courtney Lee, who's leading the league in three-point percentage And somehow. I think has been a very good player. Yeah, like, I think he's been one of our best players. Defense-wise, too, he's but like are, one of but, the only ones playing. But are you winning a championship with him in your starting no, lineup? I mean, well, look at, look at everyone else. They're not doing their part. Noah's not doing their part. Melo is a... Terrible defender. Don't even get me started with that. He and he's not really playing offensively well, too. He's shooting no. 39%. I mean, listen, 39% is not a bad shooting percentage for a regular play on the NBA. You were paying the guy $24 million a year, when you take and he thinks he's shots. a superstar. Dude, you got to hit your shots. I mean, you're in New York to market yourself, and I get that and respect that. But, dude, it comes to a point in time where if, if, if Melo realizes that his shot's not working on a day, he has to just be more of a team player. Melo's got this mindset where he needs to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. He needs the attention to be surrounded by him. The ball always needs to be in his hands. And listen, as long as Melo's on this team, the way this is how you develop star players like Chris Tapps, Porzingis. You need the guy. He needs to be start becoming that guy that's going to take the last shot in a game. The guy that's going to take over a game. He can't do that with a guy like Melo on his team. How many? Th- we've seen him have four thirty-point performances in his career. Guy in his second year of his career who is easily capable of it should have more than that. We don't see it though because you have a guy like Melo on your team, and I can't fault him for it. But Melo needs to be a superstar. He needs to, and he's he, listen. Sorry to say it, you're 32 years old, man. You're not a superstar anymore. You're just not. You're past your prime. You're not going to win a team. You're not going to win a championship in New York. And if that's what you really care about, dude, go to Cleveland. We'll trade you there. If Cleveland gives us something for that, we'll trade you there. I'd rather trade him to Boston and see if Boston would maybe give up one of those picks because they have the Nets pick for the next two years. Oh, do they? Oh, yeah. Well, the Nets pick in this year and 2019. So okay. They have the Nets 2017 first time pick and the 2019 first time pick. That was terrible for the Nets. At the time, it looked not so bad. But... I didn't even think it was great at the time, that, that whole Boston trade when they brought in KG and Paul Pierce it and didn't look Jason ter- Terry. It didn't look terrible at the time. Well, because they it, were trying to win at that moment. They were trying to win, like, that year. And they weren't bad that year. No, nah, they weren't. Because they had Darren Williams, Brooke Lopez, weren't, Paul weren't they Weren't they the 8th seed that year? Mm-hmm. To the Heat? Yes, like, yes. To they the heat, and they played the Heat. And they, they, lost they won, them. like, one game. No, they won game four. Yeah. <laughs> they, they 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 won. They were down three to nothing. I remember they won game four of that series, and then everyone came out like, "Oh, the Nets are for real! <laughs> Here come the they... Nets! All we gotta do is win one game in Miami, then we come back to Brooklyn, win that game, and then anything can happen in Game, game seven. seven. And I was like, "People, please, let's relax, okay?" <laughs> and they went to Miami, and Miami won by like forty-five points. So that's how that went. Let's move on to college football. I think uh, just all oh, that national that national championship, and you know, Deshaun Watson just really just. The way he played, listen, do I think his talent is um, able to translate to the NFL? I don't. I don't think Deshaun Watt, he, he has very typical NFL failure all over him. I don't, I don't, 
A lot of people are speculating that the Jets may take him at six. I, I hope they don't. They probably will. They probably will, but <laughs> his numbers for the game, Deshaun Jackson went 36 or 56. He threw for 420 yards and three touchdowns. Wow. 420 yards is the most yards thrown for in a national championship of all time. Second wow. to you know who? Tim Tebow? Deshaun Jackson the year before. Real, really? When he lost to Alabama. <laughs> so, I mean, listen, he's had a great college career. I mean, as opposed to Jalen Hurts, the Alabama quarterback, he threw for 131 yards. He, he drove his team down, scored a touchdown with one second left. It was a real gutsy call for, for uh, the Clemson coach to decide to throw the ball and go really, really go for it because it was a, it was a field goal game, okay? Uh, Clemson was down 28-31 to 31 with six seconds left, and the ball was at the goal line. So in, in, in reality, they could have kicked the field goal, Clemson, and tied the game at that moment with six seconds left. It would have been more smart. No, he goes for it. He goes for the touchdown, gets the touchdown. Clemson wins. He looks like a hero. And I mean, dude, this is one of the this is what this was one of the all time great games. You really thought Alabama was just gonna was just gonna strangle Clemson the whole game, not let him get anything going, and that was what was gonna happen. And for a while, for the first two and a half quarters, that's what you saw. But the uh, look at these records. I mean, Saban was ninety seven zero in his Alabama career when he's entered the fourth quarter with a double digit lead. He entered the fourth quarter in this game with a fourteen point lead and lost the game. I mean, that's something to be said. Wow. I mean, I kind of saw this coming. I was preaching all week that, listen, Clemson's going to win the game. Clemson beat Ohio State 31-0 in the playoff game. And Bama took care of Washington 24-7. But if you really watch the game, Bama really did not control Washington. They, they, they really, I mean, listen, the score can be a little deceptive, but Bama really didn't kill Washington in that game. They to be honest with you, it was more it was more of an even sided game, and then Bama pulled away late. Bama controlled the game. There was not really a thought Washington could upset them, but they didn't really look good in that game. You you kind of saw this coming. My question to you, Mike, is: Do you think this could have been one of the best championship games ever played? Not national championship college game. One of the best championship games ever played. For like any sport, any basketball, sport, just baseball. championship games. Um, I think it really can be honestly. It could be up there for, I would say for college football, definitely yes, but you can't forget about what happened last March, or should I say last April. Yeah, with, uh, uh, with Villanova. The, yep. I mean... That was an upset no one saw coming, really. Hitting a buzzer beater at the last second, that's one of those ones. How about Seahawks-Patriots? That's Super Bowl Forty Nine. Uh, well... As just that the, was, as that just was greatest great, games. That was a... Yeah. Think of how the finish happened. I mean, that game... Once the Seahawks drove down, you were thinking to yourself, all right, that's it, game yeah, over. People who had that, who had the point spread that was going to favor in Seattle when they scored that touchdown were counting their their money already. Mm-hmm. I mean, you thought that game was over. That that interception goes down as one of the greatest plays ever. I mean, what about that Heat Spurs finals when Ray Allen hit that? Oh, that was the best. That that buzzer beater to know. tie to. Yeah. I mean, to listen to win the series basically. That, that was in Game Six. <laughs> yeah, they but, had yeah. the Larry O'Brien Trophy on the court. That, that the trophy was on the court. They had to wheel it back into the stadium. <laughs> so that's one of the great championships of all time. I mean, listen, we can argue this for hours and hours and hours, but I don't think you could really debate that that's one of the greatest championships. It's one of the greatest moments, really, in sports to see what Clemson was able to do. I mean, the gut of, of to be with six seconds left. To go for the touchdown, to win. Listen, we've seen that happen in regular college games all the time. You know, team drives down. It's a field goal game. They throw that. They throw over the touchdown with 
little time left to try and win it. We've seen that happen many times. To go to go for the touchdown in the national championship, to dethrone Alabama, which was, was the best defense in the nation. Listen, you can't. Gutsy. Yeah, that's it's really gutsy in that kind of move. And you know what? You have to feel great for a team like Clemson who. Taking down Alabama, this would have been Alabama's like fourth national championship in the last six years. That's unreal to go on that kind of stretch. So you can't really fault a team like Clemson being a team like Clemson being able to take down this 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 arch rival and this this just this big beast. And the story that I really wanted to bring up was was the Dabo Sweeney story, the head coach of Clemson. What Dabo Sweeney did was is is really great for him. Uh, I don't know if you know the story. Dabo Sweeney went to Alabama. He went through his freshman year, was a decent student, and he needed a. He ha- was on scholarship at Alabama, and he played uh, football there as a wide receiver. Not no no one spectacular. Didn't make an NFL career out of it, but uh, he won a national championship with Alabama. And what happened was uh, he went he went there. He played football, and basically he came from a poor family in the South. And he says to his uh, he says to his mother, and I'm sorry for my clock in the background. I can't stand that thing. <laughs> but uh, Dabo Sweeney calls his mother one day when he gets a check from Alabama saying we need five hundred dollars from you to be able to uh, stay at the school, or you have to leave the school. He, need, he owed five hundred dollars for book fees or whatever he owed. So he calls his mother, and his mother basically tells him straight up, "Listen, I'm sorry, but we don't have that kind of money, son." So Dabo was ready to pack his bags, get out of there leave not remembering that he applied for a credit card uh balance from discover card months prior forgot about it checks his mail before he leaves alabama there's a discover card in there saying you've been approved for a thousand dollars credit uses that for the five hundred dollars gets to stay at alabama gets cut from the football team but takes a spot on the team as like a coach like assistant coach whatever like that figures out he loves coaching when he becomes a big shot gets hired by by gets hired by clemson and now he gets to this point where he beats Alabama. <laughs> it's just, man, that's like that's this kind of story. And if I'm Discover Card, I, I hire him for some kind of inspirational talk or commercial because they'll do a, they'll do great with that. But man, I can't. This is I think it's gonna go down as one of the greatest national championships. They they literally dethroned the beast. Like, and this guy's with that with that story with Sean Watson the way he's played. It's one of the best. It, it competes with the Vince Young game when they played at the Rose Bowl and uh, Vince Young was with the Longhorns. It competes with that game because Vince Young put up a show in that game for the national championship. But this is one of the great championships, really, ever. I I, I can't blame. You know what was great for me? What championship was great? When the uh, Royals beat the Mets in 2015. That's one of the great championships, too. I think. I don't think think so. That was one of the worst ever (laughs) that I've witnessed in my lifetime, ever. What about uh, Mets-Red Sox in 86? That I've witnessed in my lifetime? Well, no, I'm saying of great, of great championships. Oh yeah, gets yeah. Every, you gotta say that's one of the that, yeah. You have to say that's one of the best championships of all time. I mean, they, Boston was about to win that game, no question. Boston was about to win that that series. Yeah, that that was gonna be it. That that you know they that had. Out. You ever hear the story of that game about um, Mrs. Uh, what was her name? The 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 owner of the Red Sox, Mrs. Jastrzem- Mrs. Yastrzemski. Okay. Yastrzemski was on the Red Sox for for years and years, and they sold the team in the seventies. But the Yastrzemskis built Fenway Park. I believe her, yeah, her father, or no, yes, it was her father that, that built Fenway Park. And her husband eventually bought the team. The father sold it to the to, the, to his uh, his kids. 
The day he bought the team and the Yashemskis on the team until, like, I believe, 1975 when they sold it. Mrs. Yashemsky was about 98 years old or something like that when the Red Sox were about to win the World Series. And they're in the ninth inning. They have the whole Red Sox locker room covered in all their garb, and it's covered in, you know, Red Sox championship T-shirts are out and hats, and they got the champagne ready, ready and everything's ready, and it's all set up in, in Shea Stadium. And they bring Mrs. Yastrzemski, I keep saying Yastrzemski, Mrs. Yastrzemski, they bring her into the runway. Because I don't know if you were ever in Shea Stadium, if anyone remembers Shea Stadium, it's an older stadium. It's not like these modern stadiums where, you know, back at Shea Stadium, basically you had the locker room, which is about 50 yards from the dugout, the clubhouse, and there was, a, there was basically a long hallway leading to the dugout, to the field. They had Mrs. Yastrzemski waiting in that hallway, right between the clubhouse and the dugout, so when the Red Sox won, they could bring her out on the field. All 86 years of her, she could barely walk. She's old and ancient. But the, she hasn't seen the Red, the Red Sox win a championship since 19, 1918. So she's ready. She's, you know, excited. They've been on this long drought. It's finally here. Well, Buckner lets a ball go through his <laughs> legs. And, Mrs., and, Mrs. Just, and the Mets wind up winning this game within innings later. And Mrs. Jastrzemski, she's not a very good walker. She's 86 years old. You can't help her. The security guards had to... They left her in the stadium, like in the runway, because even though Buckner had that play happen, they didn't know who was going to win the yeah, game yet. It was still, they still had a chance to win, so they left her there. No, the, the Mets win the game. And they had to carry her. Because the, she wasn't... The Red Sox basically were so angry they, that once the walk-off was hit that they had to stay... They stormed into the clubhouse. The bodyguard had to pick her up and carry her wow. out of the stadium just so they didn't see her. Because how demoralizing would it have been if they saw her there? Yeah. And they, they just basically, the, the aura of that, and she, she eventually passed away, I believe, in 1999, and never getting to see her team win a championship. It's pretty crazy, those kind of things. So is that one of your top championships of all time? You know, for New York-wise, is the Rangers breaking the streak in 1994? Is that one of your top championships? I mean, listen, the last time the Rangers had won a title was 1940, and they won it again in 94. That could be one of your best championships of all time, especially beating a team like Vancouver, where, you know, beating the Devils in the conference finals that year was big as it is, down 3-1, to one, and Messier, you know, coming out to the crowd in Game 5 saying, we will win the series. People don't do that often, you know? That's not a... Guaranteeing a win now, it happens all the time, but back then, guaranteeing a win was a big deal, and it still kind of is, but... He they were down 3-1 to one to the Mighty Devils with Marty Brodeur, a rookie who was, listen, looking like one of the best, one, could be one of the best goalies of all time, and it did prove that he was going to be one of the best. Coming into that series, the Rangers sending out Richter versus Brodeur. The, you know, Rangers go down 3-1, to one and going into Game 5 in the Garden, Messier declares, we're going to win. We're going to win the series. And then that game in Game 5, Messier has a hat trick. Doesn't get much better than that. And then, you know, going to the, conf go into the Stanley Cup Finals, you play a team with Vancouver with guys like Pavel Bore on them. They could have lost that series easily. And then who knows what the drought, the drought could still be going for the Rangers very easily. That would have been 94. So what would that have been now? That would have been 73 years since the Rangers won their last championship. Wow. So, I mean, that was a big title just for New York in general. Because the Knicks haven't won in forever. The Nets have never won. Well, they won two ABA titles. They've been to two NBA finals, but they never really won an NBA finals. The Jets haven't won since 69, you know? Mm -hmm. The Yankees since 2009, that's pretty recent. The Giants have had recent success. The Mets since 86. 
it's been big with championships. And I wanted to go into this last topic as last night the uh it was announced the San Diego Chargers are leaving. They're uh they're they're, they're moving out of San Diego. They were not basically the reason is cuz the city refused to grant them a new stadium. They refused to help pay for a new stadium. So, it was voted by the owners and basically the owner of the Chargers has decided to move his team to LA. What's your uh, thought on this, Mike? What do you really think of moving to Los Angeles? Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I mean, I get the Rams. I understood that one. It makes sense because you're terrible in St. Louis. The fan base wasn't really too behind the Rams. No. And you're the first team to do it, and you could see the success coming in there. But the Chargers... No, I I don't agree with the Chargers doing it. I feel like... I feel like they're also copying the Rams, too, when they're doing that. But, yeah, I think... I think they should have just stayed in San Diego. I think that would have been the better move. But the Chargers inaugural season started in Los Angeles before they were able to go to before their stadium was ready. But the thing with the Chargers is Philip Rivers is on his way out. You're not really a win now kind of team. Yeah, usually teams that decide to move are like, okay, they've been bad in the past, but they're about to win now. What the Rams want, thought they, they like were, a new, and they want like a new feel. Yeah, the Rams. The Rams were, were terrible. Terrible. They thought they were going to be able to be good. Because the Rams really did. I mean, you had Todd Gurley the season before who had a great season. He came into this year thinking Case Keenum's going to be able to take the next step. So you actually did think coming into this year the Rams were going to be pretty decent. Now they were terrible. No one saw that coming. But the Chargers are going to wind up playing with the Rams in the same stadium, Inglewood Stadium. They're going to play in the brand new... Are they going to do that in two years from now? I no, thought, I thought I heard well, they were going to do that two years from now and they're going to play with... Uh... In some sort of... Uh, well, for now, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the new stadium will open after the next NFL season. So this this upcoming NFL season, the mm. Rams will play in the Coliseum again. Okay. And the Chargers are going to be playing at StubHub Center, which is the, the home arena for... No, StubHub Arena, actually. And it's the home arena for the LA Galaxy, the that's, soccer team. That's what there. I heard. That's what I heard. It's a terrible move for a football team. The stadium at most yeah, can hold right 30,000 people. Oh, that's that's not a right field for football. It's just, it's not smart. And the and you got the, the team across town, your rival, I mean, you know, it's not really a rival because it's an AFC and an NFC team. It's kind of like Giants-Jets. Yeah. But there's a rivalry of the same city and you're fine. Right now, you know, even though the Clippers have been better than the Lakers, right now, you're, you still really have that feeling that the Lakers are the dominant team in L.A. Just because of their pace. even, even though you know everything. the Lakers are the Lakers, they they're always gonna kind of like in New York, the Yankees are always gonna be the dominant team here because they're the Yankees. Like let's face it, the Knicks are always gonna be the dominant team over the Nets. The Nets are just what it's <laughs> it is what it is. You know what I mean? That's just how some cities have developed. Even like the Giants are always gonna be the dominant team over the Jets. The Rangers are always gonna be the dominant over the Islanders. It's the way that kind of works in these big cities. There is no dominant in Los Angeles between the Rams and the Chargers. No one really knows What's where it shifts. What? Yeah. So. These two teams kind of should be really fighting for that. Fighting for who is going to be this... The L.A. team. The L- Yeah, exactly. Who's going to be... When you think of L.A. football, who's going to be the team you think of? That doesn't exist yet. So the Chargers moving into a 30,000-seat arena where not many people are going to be able to get tickets. It doesn't make sense to me. Both of these teams aren't really ready to win. The Chargers will probably be better than the Rams next year by a slight bit. Man, I just don't think it's smart. I don't think the move is really... And we've seen with the Rams, really, is the first couple of games, the first preseason games, people started showing up to Rams games. You know, people started coming, and it was packed every day, and there were 100,000 people at the games because you wanted to see L.A. football return. Towards the end of that season, people weren't showing up anymore because no, yeah. the team was terrible. 
So, I mean, I don't know how this is going to pan out. I don't know. I mean, basically, you're going to, you haven't seen a move in football since the late 90s with a team moving. Since really, since really, since the, well, since the early 2000s when the, the, uh, Houston, not when the, uh, yeah, when the, uh, when the Houston Oilers moved to Tennessee. That's really the last time. And then you had the Houston Texans become a brand new franchise and the Titans were born. That's really the last time you saw a team expand or move. And now you're seeing these expansions. I mean, you're probably going to see the Raiders move to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Mark Davis has uh, copyrighted the name, uh, well, trademarked the name Las Vegas Raiders. Already. So, you know, it's basically already a down it's set kind of thing. They're going to move. It's just a matter of when they're going to move or when this is going to happen or when they get approved for it. But it's going to happen. And that'll be that'll be great, actually, because they'll move to Vegas, new stadium. And the Raiders are getting to the point where they're being, they look like they find a superstar in Derek Carr and they're getting really good. So you're you're almost at a point here where you can actually see greatness occur in a new city. But with this whole thing of... Uh, you know, the Chargers and the Rams, no one's going to determine who the big team is there. Even with the Dodgers and Angels. The Dodgers are the dominant team out there. The Angels have had success, but it's the Dodgers. They're always going to be the Dodgers yeah. out there. So I don't know, man. And I think the overall opinion on this is the Chargers are just... It's going to be, it's, just, it's not really smart. I understand it because they want to give you a new stadium, but I don't really get it in a sense. I would have rather stayed in your own city. And football hasn't really been picked up in that kind of area. But let's move on to the playoffs. Your Giants were kicked out last week by the Packers. It's very depressing. I think it just has to do with the fact that Aaron Rodgers is just that good. The better team won that day. Yeah, I think so, too. They have a home field advantage, too. It's not easy to win in Lambeau. At all. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Um, conditions, too. But all in all, there's no debating. Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback, and that's the better team. Better team won. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is better at escaping pressure and playing the way he played. I mean, listen, there's no one like him. Marys too? And I really think, uh, uh, this is a bold statement coming from me, but I really think that when you look at overall, don't count championships, don't count the system they played in, don't count how successful they were as a career. When you look at the overall player, I think he's the best quarterback of all time, Aaron Rodgers. He has the best talent. Like, God-given talent, I think he's the best of all time. Even above Brady, I know Brady's at the championships. Brady's mm-hmm. playing in a great system, and Brady's great. Don't let, don't don't like you know misread me on that. Brady is a great player, but I think overall talent, Aaron Rodgers is the best of all time. Brady doesn't have the mobility Rodgers has. I don't think many quarterbacks really ever have had that. Most people can bring up Steve Young had the mobility, but Steve Young didn't have the accuracy that Rodgers has. Steve Young is also a great quarterback, but he didn't have the accuracy that Rodgers has. Rodgers throws. You know, you say most quarterbacks in the NFL, it's like when you leave him in the pocket, it's dangerous because they can give a great throw. Rodgers can put a ball anywhere he wants when he's moving in the pocket, wherever he is, and he's great at Hail Marys. He, there's really not many weaknesses to the guy's game. So basically, the way the playoffs go in is, let's see, you know, that that primetime Sunday Sunday game, the last Sunday game, at, I believe it starts at 4-15, Dallas for the Packers, Dallas is favored by 4.5. It's in Dallas. I think the 4.5 is way too much. Under. Yeah, definitely. You know, I would take the Packers to cover that. Yeah. Who do you got in that game? That's gonna be a tough one. That's at Dallas, right? So, yes, it's in um, Dallas. That's gonna be real. That's gonna be a really good game. They've really, I in think... essence, had three weeks off Dallas because most of their guys didn't play in the last game of the season against the Eagles. That's true, and they didn't know really because that Giants Packers game was gonna look. That was looking really close on paper, so they didn't know who to prepare for though too in those two weeks exactly. that they had off. So you don't know. Uh, the Packers have probably been 
studying the Cowboys too. Cowboys are vulnerable too, uh, losing to the Giants twice. But that Giants defense is not as good. I, I mean that the 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 Cowboys defense is not as good as the Giants defense. No, no. So you have that going for you too. The Cowboys pass rush is not as good as the Giants pass rush. Yeah, but uh, and also the Packers are a little weak on their secondary too. Uh, they're getting hurt. The Giants, of course, didn't exploit that at all, which is what, they did to what start led the game. To the loss. Yeah, to start, start the, the game, game they did, but, and they just gave up on it. Which yeah, is... for the first half it was looking good, but the second half they just couldn't get anything going for them. So let's do some score picks here. Okay. For my pick for that game, I have the Packers winning that game 35-21. to 21. You're going to think it's a blowout, wow. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be as bad as you do. Um, I still think the Packers could win that game, but... I think it could be like uh, 28-21. All right, so, you know, I, I agree. Uh, I think the Packers win that game. I, think I, think, I, I, I just think game. it's a little more separated. And I think the, I think the Packers are playing that well. And uh, not to toot my own horn or anything, but they were my Super Bowl pick. It was Packers yeah. over the Patriots. I picked that in August. So I'm really riding high on this. Let's go to the next uh, NFC matchup where you have Atlanta versus Seattle. It opens up with Atlanta as a minus five favorite. Yeah, this is going to be a better game than most people thought. People were thinking that like, I agree. the Seahawks were going to, if they if the Seahawks, you know, um, played the Falcons, which obviously they are now, that the Seahawks would just destroy. But don't get uh, too carried away there. You know, Falcons still got some weapons offensively, defensively. They got Julio Jones. I think that's going to be a really this, close game. Analyzing this game, I think the key to the Seahawks winning this game is to not let it get into a shootout. Like, if it gets into a shootout and you have, you know, Seattle's going to need to put up 40, 50 points, Atlanta's going to win the game because Atlanta has an explosive offense. But if this game stays close and, you know, relatively normal scoring, I think Seattle's going to win. And I have that happening. I have Seattle winning the game 31-27. to 27. That's pretty good. Um, I think in my preseason, yeah, August picks... I had the Seahawks losing to the Cardinals. That's a little wrong. Yeah. But uh, Cardinals were looking not too bad at first. But yeah, I I still I still think is it at Seattle the game? No, the game's in Atlanta. The game's at Atlanta. Okay. Um, I still think the Seahawks win though, just because um, Russell Wilson and that defense is still very good. So I'm gonna agree with what you said. Thirty-one twenty-seven. 31-27, why not? All right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the definite score, and that's probably what's going to come out. Now, the better of the AFC matchups, let's go to that first. It's going to be Chiefs versus Pittsburgh. The game's in Kansas City, a very tough place to go. Pittsburgh killed Kansas City earlier in the season, although the game was in Pittsburgh. Kansas City opens the game as a minus one-and-a-half point favorite. Listen, man, I mean, I think Pittsburgh is winning the game. Me too. Because I think they're hot right now, and I think Kansas City's got a little bit of flaws in them. But I will not be surprised if Kansas City walks in. This is going to be a really good game. That's going to be a good game, but I still see Pittsburgh coming out. You've still got uh, Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. I don't see them losing that game. And this is the first time we've really ever seen Pittsburgh at full strength in the postseason no, yeah, with Antonio Brown, Roethlisberger, and, and, um, and I Bell. Think, I think um, the last playoff game, actually, was the first time they've had all three of them on the field together in a playoff yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you're seeing the chemistry... How it works, it's great to give the the play action. You get Le'Veon Bell going, and then you can give the, the ball to a guy like Antonio Brown. I mean, listen, this Pittsburgh team can be explosive. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game, though. I think Kansas City's defense is very good, and that place is extremely hard to play at Arrowhead. It's also going to be frigid 
in Kansas City this weekend. I have Pittsburgh coming out with the win 17-14. to 14. I think it'll be a little more scoring than that. Um, yeah. I think it will be 24-17. to 17. And you still, I still have the Steelers, I still have the Steelers winning. So me and you both have every single road team coming out winning so far. Well, yeah, I mean, oh wow, that's true. But um, and the underdog in every single game, we have the underdog in every single road team playing. Now, do you have the underdog of the road team winning <laughs> no. this game as the Patriots <laughs> take on the Houston Texans? No, it's in Foxborough. It's a sixteen-point favorite for the Patriots. 16? I think you take the sixteen points. Uh, I don't even think Houston can cover that. Yeah, with with the who's going to be starting quarterback? Is it going to be? It's Osweiler. Osweiler in um, week. Well, it hasn't officially been announced yet, so who knows? In week, uh, let me put this into perspective for you. When Brady was foot was uh, playing through his suspension, in week three, when Jacoby Brissett went out there, the Patriots won that game like thirty-five nothing against, against the Texans. Yeah, with Jacoby Brissett starting quite quarterback. Now they have Brady. The game's in New England. My pick is the Patriots covering the 16 points, and it's going to be a 45-6 to win for the New England Patriots. You think they're just going to destroy They're just going to walk into the AFC Championship. Yeah, they're, they're, I think uh, that's a good negative 16. I feel like they could... Definitely, they could definitely. Um, I mean, would you don't, really take the don't Texans? Doubt, don't doubt the Texans' defense, though. They're still one okay, of the top. Okay, but the Texans were terrible on offense. They're, last yeah, they're week bad on offense. Home. Yeah. How are they going to be in Foxborough? They're going to. Where be now you're outdoors, atrocious. you're not in a dome anymore. They're going to be atrocious. Um, yeah, I say thirty-five to ten. Oh, you're giving credit. I, I say thirty-five give, to ten. I give them. I give them some benefit of the doubt. You give them a touchdown. You think they're? You think they can really score a touchdown in New England? I do, I do. I think they could score one touchdown in the fourth quarter when there's like four minutes left. You know, it's thirty-five to three. You know, and it's just like, oh look, thirty-five to ten. You know, oh look, here we go. I and yeah. So let's try and go through this a little more and see how far we can get. So now you have Pittsburgh against That's well going to New England. That's gonna be a great game for the AFC Championship. Gut feeling, who do you take? Um, gut feeling right now, Pittsburgh. Really? Yeah. See, I take New England. That's where we differ. I just I don't see New England losing that game at home. I think Brady's out there with something to prove. He still has that monkey on his back from Deflategate. Like he still has something to prove to Goodell. That's true. Like he still wants to show to Goodell, listen, you're an ass, and we we have this. You know, I mean, I, Brady desperately wants to take that Vince Lombardi trophy out of Goodell's hand. Okay. And raise it up because of Deflategate. But also, if as long as Pittsburgh has all their offensive weapons. Because if, if one of them goes, they're definitely not going to beat um, New England at home. If, like, Bell gets suspended, which he probably will, he'll probably do something stupid. <laughs> well, you know, mean, there's there's no saying what he can or can't do. I highly doubt they're going to drug test him. I mean, you never know. After next week's game, but... I mean, you never know. <laughs> who knows? But... So who do you have coming out of them? Then our NFC Championship, tentatively, is going to be Seattle uh, versus pa- the Packers, which the game would be... Remember in, the last Seattle be, Packers? It would be in Green. It would be in Seattle, actually. Yes, yes it would be in Seattle. Seattle. Remember the last time that happened? I'm trying to remember. With the with the uh, it was um, onside the, kick. In the play in the playoffs. No, I don't. The think. onside kick, and then Seahawks recovered. Green Bay was about to get the win if they just recovered the kick, but then went through. His and hands. then the hail mary, right? And then the hail mary. And the one before that <laughs> was the uh, replacement refs. Was the game oh, before that? Yes. 
when Seattle caught a touchdown at the last minute in that game that was, also. Yeah, that, I remember But that. Seattle it was, didn't really catch the ball. Ago. Yeah. It was really Green Bay coming down with the ball and the replacement refs, and that's what happened There's with that been, game. basically, those last two games shows you that. There's, there's been, been a Mary. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot of history of great games between, uh, what, what was it, the, the Packers and the Seahawks. Yeah, so this game's going to be in Seattle. You're going to have to deal with the 12th man again. And listen, my gut instinct tells me it's going to be the Packers. I mean, I kind of have to go with that because I picked them. My gut says the Seahawks. Listen, I mean, Seahawks, Patriots, well, so you have, so you have Seahawks, Pittsburgh. I do. Listen, man, you can't, and I, I, that would be a great Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I think any matchup we can get right now, unless somehow the Texans stun the world, and the Super Bowl matchup winds up being like... The Texans The Texans the versus world. the Falcons. <laughs> I mean, that would be a terrible matchup. Other than that, I think you really can't go wrong. The Falcons were destroying that game then, I think. I, but I, I mean, mean, if they beat New England at home, then the Texans who beat knows? New England and, and Foxborough, then knows, and, then they beat, and then they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, I mean, who knows at that point? Hey, but um, if the Falcons do something in this playoffs, if they do beat the Seahawks, if they do get to the Super Bowl, would you consider Matty Ice being MVP? No, because all, well, it wouldn't matter because it, that, those votes are in already. The MVP votes go in okay. after the regular season starts. They're just not announced until the postseason's over. But what, what would no? What would you think though, for your for like your sake, not for what what they have? Listen, to he for. may win already. He may have won already because his his he really had one of the top seasons he's ever had. He did, yeah. But uh, man, I can't give it to Elliot. I just can't. He had a great rookie year, but he's a rookie still, and the MVP more or less goes to that offensive line. More than yeah, Ezekiel Elliott. Number, yeah, now Ezekiel, don't get me wrong, Ezekiel Elliott is a great talent. I don't I hate I can't stand that argument. People say, oh well he's not, you know. No, he is. He he's a great talent. The guy went to Ohio State for a reason. I don't know if he is exactly though, you know, the next he's not the next Emmett Smith in my opinion. I, I think that, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is great, but he's a product of, he's somewhat a product of that line. He's great, but it's also a product of the line. That's who the MVP can go to. Tom Brady could get it, but he missed the first four games, so he's not going to get it. Matt Stafford, listen, if you don't count his last two bad losses to the Packers and to the Seahawks, he could have been the MVP also. Man, I think Matt Ryan is the MVP. The only argument I have for him is Aaron Rodgers, who I think also had one of the great seasons. Hey, I think I think everyone, Derek Carr, I mean, there's value. There, everyone forgets the value in MVP. They forget about the V, the value. And that team, as you see, without without him, they went 0-2 without him. They're a dumpster fire without him. He's the reason that they went. But he did go down. He did. And he didn't get to play the last two games. Yeah, he, he went down. But that shows you his value, though. If he didn't go down, they definitely would have been playing. They definitely would have uh, beat the Texans, right? They played the there's Texans. A, there's a possibility. They definitely well, no, they the wouldn't Texans. have played the Texans, though. Because most likely, if he doesn't go down, That's, they yeah, win their last they, two games. Yeah, and they get the two seed, and they're probably playing Pittsburgh this week in, in Oakland. So it's a different, I still you don't know yeah, what's going to happen. Exactly, but that just shows you his value, though. Like, if you didn't go down, exactly, that all could happen. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, he could be, he could have been the most... That term, though, has been really taken away. I mean, if you want to go back to that NBA conversation we had at the beginning of the, of the show, the NBA MVP is probably LeBron James. Yeah. Most value. I mean, the, Cav I mean, yeah, the they, Cavaliers are they got, probably... They got, I mean, Kyrie's... They but what are they team. realistically without LeBron James? They're a five, five seed. seed. Yeah. I mean, they're not number one team in the... Okay. They're, not, they're not going to the finals every year without LeBron. So then he's your MVP. If you want to go that way. Okay. I mean, it's a different... Con there, there, there should be a difference in the award now. You there, should change yeah. the name mm -hmm. of the award. 
you should have an MVP award, and then, like, which literally has, means like, yeah, the most valuable, valuable player. player, and then you have another award, which is the, the best stats, the, 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 best, the player, best player, who put in the best performance did, of the year. Yeah, exactly. Which, listen, this year it's Russell Westbrook, but the NBA MVP the last few years could have been LeBron James. I mean, maybe the last two years yeah, well, you could have put in Steph Curry. Well, this though. year, what because about Westbrook, though? Without him, like, that's that's the value, though. The without him, on, the team would But the teams are on a different level. Let's... The, the team would be terrible without Westbrook. That's, that's but they're the thing. still not. The Cavs would still be a five seed, but there's absolutely no I way. I completely agree with you. The, but the team the Thunder is, would make the playoffs. I agree with you. But, they, but the Oklahoma City Thunder, as they will probably get to the playoffs with West, just because they have Westbrook, they, there's no chance they're going to the NBA Finals with him. Like they're not. They're not going to be that dominant. He's LeBron James will take the Cavaliers to the NBA Finals this year. I think it's almost a guarantee. That's probably yeah. It's not. <laughs> so I mean, go, that's this, most <laughs> most valuable. I think LeBron is more valuable to the Cavs than Westbrook is to the Thunder. No, that's why I disagree with you. I think Westbrook's more valuable to the because, I mean, that team's a dumpster fire without him. And but you what's know your it too. but what's no, your no, ultimate goal? In, okay, your ultimate goal is, is to get to the finals. Is to yeah. at least get to get to the finals, okay. make an appearance. You want to win the championship, but to get to the finals. Listen, he, they're not winning. Uh, getting to the finals is a whole other conversation. The Cavaliers maybe make the playoffs without LeBron James. They probably get in because the Eastern Conference is terrible. If you put the Cavaliers in the Western Conference without LeBron James, with Kyrie Love, that J.R. Smith, the whole team, without LeBron James on that team, are they an NBA final? Are they an, are they an NBA playoff team? Yeah. In the Western Conference, you really think so? I do. I don't know, man. Kyrie was on that team. Now Kevin Love wasn't there, but Kyrie was on that team. Kyrie's always prior there. prior to LeBron getting yeah. there, and they were an 18 win team. Kevin Love wasn't there. there no. J.R. No. Smith wasn't there. Well, well, come on, JR. I mean, the guy's untying people's shoelaces, Dale. So, I mean, listen, it's a great argument. MV- I think the MVP should be changed to, like, the most actual valuable player rather than, you know, the best. Because it, it really has become the best, just the best player. So, so if I were to say MVP, another person who should be in there is David Johnson. Well, would you would you say yes or would you say no? Yeah, I could. I, I mean, I do. listen, the Cardinals were terrible this year. But he but, he had value. And he, he does everything. He valuable as a running back. Listen, I mean, catches there's passes, he catches pa- passes, exactly everything. And most running backs are completely unwilling to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got guys like Matt Forte who are willing to do that, but Ezekiel Elliott barely I th- does that. I think um, other than the last game when he got hurt, I don't I don't know about the after that last game, but I know from week sixteen he had more most yards from scrimmage than any other running back in the league. Yeah, man, listen, he's Better great. I can't Elliot. deny his greatness. I would like to see the Cardinals take a run for uh, Tony Romo. You would no, I don't know. I really think he he can take him to the next level. I think Palmer's career is basically over. And if you put David Johnson with a, a Palmer, decent Palmer offensive line, Palmer had his line, chance. I think two years ago or last yeah. last year, that was it. And, and with then, a defense off, with a, with a decent offensive line, in their their offensive line is twenty fourth. You still in the got league. guys like Larry Fitzgerald. Their offensive line is twenty fourth ranked in low? the league. That's the, yeah, it's that low. All right, well, that that just goes to show you that's even more value. Because I think David the Johnson. only other option for Romo is Denver, where you know you have a new head or coach. Jets. No, they, I mean he's <laughs> but he's not. But the Cowboys love him so much they're going to send him somewhere where he wants to be. Yeah, and he doesn't want to be Jerry there. Jones loves him. <laughs> and and, and he, Romo does, Romo's not going to want to go to the Jets. He's, Romo's going to basically have to approve the trade unless some team blows the Cowboys away with everything, which isn't going to really happen. Well, I mean, the Jets are obviously going to try for him. Yeah, but I don't you, think they're going to You know it too, though, but... Yeah, and I really would rather them start over and try and get a new quarterback. But listen, it's been a great, another week to the show. We hope to see you guys soon. Uh, please come at us at uh, Twitter and Instagram at 2 Idiots Talking Sports, and uh, we'll see you next time.